Hey listeners, I recently launched an ad-free Serial Napper feed so that you can enjoy the podcast without interruptions. Elevate your Serial Napper listening experience by joining my Patreon community and get yourself an ad-free feed on Spotify. For just $2 a month, you can become a member today and unlock ad-free episodes while still supporting the podcast. It's super easy. Just visit Serial Napper on your Spotify app and click the button at the top that says exclusive episodes for subscribers. Don't use Spotify for your listening? No problem. Just visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper to get your episodes ad-free and enjoy uninterrupted storytelling while you get your naps in. Mother's Day is almost here. Have you found that truly special sentimental gift for your mom yet? Don't worry, I got you. MyLifeInABook.com is a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature And MyLifeInABook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges that she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your children can treasure forever. Your mom has given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I loved this idea so much that I've started my own My Life in a Book for my children to have. The thought of my son and daughter being able to learn about my life story as they grow into their own adulthood is truly special. It's been an enjoyable journey of self-reflection for me too, with questions like, which one event made the greatest impact on your life? It's brought back memories I didn't even know I had. I love it, and I know your mother will too. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER for 10% off today. Hey everyone, my name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. We're taking the podcast over to Europe tonight and talking about a story that involves twin sisters, an absolute mental breakdown, an insane traffic accident that gets caught on live television, and a murder. If that doesn't catch your attention, I don't know what would. Sisters Sabine and Ursula Erickson would experience something that experts call folie à deux. And I'm sorry, my (laughs) French is not so good. But this is a term used for shared psychosis and delusions. The concept is really interesting, although somewhat controversial because not everyone believes that it's actually a real phenomenon. After listening to the details of tonight's case, you'll have to let me know what you think. Either way, there's going to be video footage that accompanies this story, and I'll post the link in my show notes and over on my Patreon page. And I'm telling you right now, it will have you shaking your head in disbelief. Before we get started, tonight's episode is sponsored by Foss Devices, and the products they offer really hit home for me. 
Have you ever received advertisements related to a conversation that you've just had? It's not a coincidence. It's your data and it's being collected from your mobile phone or tablet. Your privacy matters, so it's time for a change. At FOSS devices, their phones and tablets maximize your privacy. You'll also get better security, better performance, and more control over your device, all without outside interference from big tech companies. Go to FOSSdevices.com. That's F-O-S-S devices.com to reclaim your digital freedom today. Now let's jump in. I have scoured the internet, listened to podcasts, looked through books, and I haven't been able to find any solid information regarding the early life of our two main characters here. What we do know is that identical twins Sabina and Ursula Eriksson were born in 1976 in Sweden. I saw one source reference the fact that they didn't grow up together and they were adopted out to parents in different countries, but I couldn't find any other source to back that up, so I'm not sure that's entirely accurate. Everything else that I found basically just says that they seem to live normal lives, whatever that means. I guess what they're trying to say is that anything that happened prior to, I guess, the big blow up, we'll call it, in 2008, paled in comparison. Ursula would relocate to the U.S. in the year 2000, and Sabina started a family with a husband and children in County Cork, Ireland. By all accounts, there didn't appear to be anything in their history to predict what was to come. They hadn't been drug users, they had no prior convictions, no known mental health issues, although it seems likely that they just went undiagnosed. In May of 2008, Ursula traveled back to County Cork, Ireland to visit her sister. Though this visit only lasted a mere 24 hours, Sabina's family noted how close the two sisters were. They became pretty much inseparable from each other. But after only a day in Ireland, the pair decided to take a trip after Sabina had a blow-up with her husband. They traveled by ferry to Liverpool, leaving Sabina's kids and husband back home. It's unclear if they had informed them of their plans to take this trip or why they had even decided to go to the UK, but there was never a missing persons report filed for either sister, so we have to assume that there was some knowledge of this trip. When they arrived, Ursula and Sabina went straight to the St. Anne Street Police Station to file a report regarding their concern for the welfare of Sabina's children, the children she had left with her husband in Ireland. Apparently, they thought that the children might be in danger, and we don't know if this threat was real or imagined because the twins were about to embark on an extreme mental health breakdown. Either way, the Liverpool police did do some level of due course. They followed up with the police force in Dublin to check on the safety of the kids. No word on what was actually done with that report or what was determined. After the twins left the police station, they bought bus tickets from the National Express coach to go to London. They boarded the bus around 11.30 a.m., and according to the bus driver, they began to act very strange. They were seen clutching their bags, keeping them very close to them, and refusing to put them under the bus where the rest of the luggage is supposed to go. Because they were being so evasive when they were asked about their bags, the driver demanded to search their purses, and the twins refused. It appears that they were still allowed on the bus, but again, they continued to act strange while they were clutching their luggage. And so when the bus stopped at a service station just off the highway known as M6 in Staffordshire, the twins were kicked off the bus. 
So they got off the bus reportedly because they said that they weren't feeling well. And the bus driver refused to let them get back on the bus because of their behavior. So the bus takes off, leaving the twins behind. The manager working at the service station apparently also thought that they were acting strange. And they decided to call the police, fearful that they might have explosives in their luggage. When the police arrived, they took down a report of the manager's concerns, but after speaking with the twins, they decided that they posed no threat to the public, so they let them go. And go they did, down the highway, walking along the median of Highway M6, definitely not a safe place for pedestrians to be walking. Vehicles were just zooming by them. They caught a lot of attention, especially when they attempted to cross the highway. They almost got hit. Pedestrians who were concerned with their safety called the police, and it wasn't long before highway agency officers showed up on the scene. What's crazy is that around the same time that police officers arrived, so did a camera crew that were filming for the BBC show Motorway Cops. And it's amazing that they did, because they were able to capture events that no one would have ever believed happened if it wasn't recorded on camera. For those who aren't familiar, Motorway Cops is a reality documentary type series. It shows the work that traffic police do on the busy roads and highways of Britain. It's pure coincidence that they would happen to show up at this scene that the twins were about to cause. Now the following events were recorded, so you can watch it all unravel right before your eyes. I'll include the link in my show notes, and I'll also post it over on my Patreon page. Just be warned, it's pretty graphic. Not in a super gory way, but something about it is just really disturbing. I felt physically sick after watching it. At first, everything appeared to be fairly calm as the traffic officers approached the twins on the side of the highway. Now, you can see that they're clearly trying to tell the sisters that it isn't safe for them to be walking down the busy highway. And at the time, the twins appeared to be level-headed, standing there, listening to police, chatting, and smoking a cigarette. Then another cruiser pulls up with more officers. And the first officers, they begin to brief them about the situation, when all of a sudden, something shocking and horrific happens. Ursula darts into busy oncoming traffic as the police officer grabs her by the jacket to try to hold her back, but she's able to free herself from the jacket and she runs right into the path of a large truck where she's run over. Like I mentioned, this is all captured by the camera crew and it's very disturbing. And your immediate thought is there's no way that anyone could survive being run over by such a large truck. A truck that's going about 90 kilometers an hour or 56 miles an hour. The police on scene, well, they're just absolutely flabbergasted, shocked at what they've witnessed, but they don't even have a second to process it because right after this, sister Sabina runs into the road, smashing into the windshield of an oncoming car. The police call it in and rush to the twins' aid, believing that they likely have two fatalities on their hands. Ursula, who was hit by the truck, had her legs completely crushed. But she was alive, and if you watch the video, it's something right out of a horror film, because it's clear her legs have been completely flattened and shattered, but the top half of her body is very much moving and attempting to get up. She's angry and screaming, and seemingly has no idea that the bottom half of her is basically destroyed. 
And so the police are trying to calm her and hold her down while the ambulance arrives. But Ursula is yelling, slapping, spitting at those trying to help her. Meanwhile, there's an officer trying to help Sabina, the one who had smashed into the windshield of the car. She's unconscious for about 15 minutes before she wakes up, also in a state of hysteria. She keeps attempting to get up while the officer holds her down for her own safety. In the video, you see Sabina slapping the officer away from her, screaming strange things like, I recognize you, you're not real. She also began yelling out that someone was trying to steal her organs, things that just made absolutely no sense. Then, as if she had no injuries at all after being hit by that car, she just gets up and takes off running. The officer chases after her as Sabina yells for help and for someone to call the police, not realizing that the police were already there trying to help her. Initially, the police believed that the twins must be on drugs. They were delusional. They didn't understand their injuries. They were seeing things that weren't there, and they appeared to have superhuman strength. I mean, the fact that they both survived events that really should have killed them was one thing, but Sabina was running around like nothing had happened. And when the female officer tried to subdue her, Sabina punched her in the face, knocking her to the ground. It took six people to finally get a hold of her and to get the handcuffs on her so that they could take her to the hospital to be treated. The whole time, she was ready to square up, thrashing, kicking, throwing punches. Finally, Ursula, who had received the more severe injuries, was airlifted to the hospital while Sabina was transported to the hospital in an ambulance. While they were on their way to get treated, officers at the scene scoured for any clues as to what caused this insane event that they had just witnessed. All they found was a few broken cell phones and the twins' purses, you know, the ones that they had been so protective about. Police probably thought that they'd find some sort of drug paraphernalia, but they didn't contain anything unusual or suspicious. As I mentioned, Ursula's injuries were far more severe, as her legs had been completely crushed. So she was admitted to the hospital for surgery, and she would be there for a while recovering. It was a miracle that she was even alive. As for Sabina, she was examined at the hospital and then released into police custody about five hours later. The doctors and nurses who treated her said that she seemed to be calm, happy, even making jokes. And then when she arrived at the police station to be processed and booked, officers noted that she was chatty, smiling, laughing, even acting flirty at some points. She never even asked about her sister Ursula, where she was or if she was okay. You'd think that that would be something that would be on her mind. One thing that she did say to an officer, though, is kind of creepy. She said, We say in Sweden that an accident rarely comes alone. Usually, at least one more follows, maybe two. My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so... I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. 
Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in True Accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors No Prep, No Mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes. Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors Fresh, Never Frozen Meals that are also dietitian approved. No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon, because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day, because that's half the battle, and I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious, with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code napper50 at factormeals.com slash napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Sabina would only spend one night in jail. The following day, she had her court hearing where she pled guilty to charges of punching a police officer and trespassing on the highway. She was only sentenced to a day in custody, which she had already served. So she was released, just like that, without a full psychiatric evaluation. Which is ridiculous to me, actually. It's really sad, and it just goes to show you how lacking access to mental health help and services is. It also makes me wonder if the events that were to come could have been prevented if only Sabina had been given help. But it wasn't to be. 
Sabina was now wandering the streets of England with around $1,300 to her name and a laptop, but nothing else. Around 7 p.m. that evening, she encountered two men that were out walking a dog, Glenn Hollinshead and Peter Malloy. She approached the men and she asked them if they knew of any bed and breakfast hotels that she could stay at. The pair thought that Sabina looked really down on her luck. I mean, she had just gotten out of jail. She didn't have a whole lot with her. She was all tattered and dirty, especially after being hit by a car. So Glenn, who was a paramedic, offered his place up to Sabina for the evening. Reluctantly, Sabina agreed, and the three went back to Glenn's place. Almost immediately, Sabina began to display odd behavior again. She kept peeking out of the window, almost as if someone was maybe watching her or following her. She also offered the two men cigarettes at various points throughout the night, but then she would snatch them right out of their mouths, saying that they were poisonous. But then she would smoke them herself. It was just before midnight that Peter Malloy would retire for the night and go home, leaving Glenn Hollinshead and Sabina alone. Now, when I first read this, as a female, I kind of thought this whole situation was strange. I could never see myself personally accepting an offer to go stay the night at a strange man's house, especially to walk back to the home with two men that I didn't know. My initial reaction reading this was that it felt sketchy, but from all the accounts that I've read, friends and family of Glenn said that he was just an incredibly nice guy that would help anyone. I bring this up because all that we know is that Sabina stayed the evening and then there would be a violent altercation the next day. So, the following day, around 7.40pm, Sabina is still at Glenn's house. Glenn makes them dinner, but he's all out of tea, so he asks his neighbor Frank if he could borrow some. After getting the tea from Frank, who is just outside, he goes back inside the home to make tea, but only a moment later, Glenn would stagger outside the home again, but this time, he's bleeding. Neighbor Frank sees that he's hurt right away, and Glenn utters the words, She stabbed me. Look after my dog. Glenn would die after being stabbed five times with a butcher knife, presumably by Sabina. While Frank called the police, Sabina ran with a hammer in her hand. At some point, she had even used the hammer to strike herself in the head. She was literally running away, stopping to hit herself with a hammer. A passerby spotted her and tried to apprehend her because she was clearly out of control and a danger to herself and others, but Sabina had a roof tile in her pocket. Yeah, I'm not joking. She had a roof tile stashed in her pocket that she threw at him, and so she got away. Eventually, the paramedics and police would show up and try to chase down Sabina, but it all came to a head when Sabina jumped from a 40-foot-high bridge onto a highway. She broke both of her ankles and fractured her skull, so now there was no more running. When the paramedics whisked her away to the hospital, she was immediately tested for drugs and alcohol, but her blood work came back clean. She wasn't under the influence of anything when she had viciously stabbed Glenn, attacked herself with a hammer, and then jumped off a bridge. Sabina was arrested on charges of murder on June 6, 2008. She was still recovering in the hospital from her injuries when she was arrested, so she wasn't actually taken into custody until September 11, 2008, where she was taken to jail in a wheelchair. 
It was also around this time that Sister Ursula was also being released from the hospital after being treated for injuries received from jumping in front of that truck. She was deported back to Sweden and then relocated back to the U.S. where she had been living. She was never tried for any crime, and she turned to religion, joining the Sacred Heart Church in Bellevue, Washington, where she's a very active member still to this day. Meanwhile, Sabina's murder trial kept getting pushed ahead because the courts had difficulty obtaining her medical records from Sweden. Finally, in September of 2009, Sabina would plead guilty to the lesser charge of manslaughter. Both the prosecution and Sabina's defense team claimed that she was mentally insane when she had killed Glenn. And a very interesting theory was brought forward. The defense claimed that Sabina was suffering from something called folie adieu, which is basically a shared psychosis, where delusional beliefs are transmitted from one individual to another. They claimed that Ursula was actually the one who was suffering from the psychosis, but because Sabina and Ursula were so close, they shared this period of insanity. It's a pretty interesting theory that two people can be so connected that they share the same mental psychosis. The judge who oversaw the proceeding said, While the mental illness resolved quickly, both psychiatrists agree it was serious and that she behaved in the way she did because of her illness. Her culpability for her behavior is, on the medical evidence, accordingly low. She was suffering from delusions, which she believed to be true, and they dictated her behavior. It is also not one of those cases where the defendant could have done something to avoid the onset. It had a sudden onset. It was a serious illness while it lasted, and it resolved rapidly. Sabina was sentenced to five years in prison. However, she was released the following year in 2011 after spending just 439 days in jail. She never gave any explanation for her behavior or reasoning as to why she would just stab a man who was being very kind to her. And when she was released from prison, she basically just disappeared back into society. She didn't go to any treatment. She wasn't put in any facility. She was just released, which is really sad for so many reasons. Glenn's family would never really get justice, and Sabina would just go on to live her life normally with access to the public while she clearly has suffered from a mental illness. In December 2012, some never-before-seen video footage from that BBC traffic TV show would be uploaded to the internet anonymously, and it showed some very serious failings. In the video, you can hear two officers say that the twins should be given a 136, which means that due to the Mental Health Act, police can hold a person who is experiencing a mental health breakdown and give the detainee a mental health assessment. Unfortunately, this never happened, and after only a couple of days, Sabine was out walking around and able to kill Glenn Hollinshead, even though it was very clear that she was a danger to herself and others. If she had been held and assessed, she would have never had the opportunity to kill Glenn. It's a serious miscarriage of justice. Glenn's brother would say of the case, We don't hold her, Sabina, responsible. The same as we wouldn't blame a rabid dog for biting someone. She is ill and to a large degree not responsible for her actions. But her mental disorder should have been recognized much earlier. I do question the criminal justice system for allowing someone like this to be let out of her initial custody when she is capable of committing such a crime. 
Her mental condition should have been properly assessed after what she did on the motorway and the experience the police had. Her mental disorder should have been picked up prior to her being let out into the community. Glenn saw Erickson in distress and was just trying to help. He wasn't slow in coming forward to help somebody in distress. It was in his nature. He was trying to help. He would help anybody. So I have a few questions I'd like to pose to you. Firstly, what the heck do you think happened here? How do seemingly normal, non-violent individuals go on to do the things that they did? Do you believe in the idea of folie à deux, a shared psychosis with shared delusions? And do you think that the police organizations need to be held responsible for not taking mental health cases more seriously in order to keep the public safe? I'd love to hear what you think. That's it for me tonight. I'd like to once again thank our sponsor. If you want better security, better performance, and more control over your device, all without outside interference from big tech companies, you'll want to check out FossDevices.com. That's F-O-S-S Devices.com to reclaim your digital freedom today. As for me, if you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Mapper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper or I'm on YouTube, Nikki Young, Serial Napper, and that's all one word. If you'd like more ad-free exclusive content as well as supplemental documents and details on all the cases I cover, make sure you join my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Serial Napper. Until next time, stay safe, stay inspired. Bye. I'm Dean, I'm the dad. I'm Laura, I'm the mom. And I'm Crystalyn, I'm the daughter. And together we are... Family Plot! The Family Plot Podcast, a show where we discuss history, folklore, true crime, and the paranormal. Minus all the oogie bits. We are PG-13. I'm almost 15 now. Don't ruin the commercial. Do catch us looking into special topics like the origins of fairy tales, Sherlock Holmes, and the trial of Dr. Hyde and Mr. Swope. Find out who Dad Man Crush is. Or what happens in Krista's corner. But behave you two. So come be a part of the fam. Available on Google, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Family Plot Podcast. Bye!